Welcome to the Marn Report. Well, hey, hey, Fort Stewart, Hunter Army Airfield. This is Molly. And Kevin. And we are coming at you for another episode of the Marn Report. And this week, we've got something a little bit different in store for you guys. Um, isn't that right, Kevin? That's right. Not only different in terms of length, because this is going to be a marathon podcast. <laughs> yeah. Folks, put on your listening ears. It's a good one. What we're doing this week, Molly, you and I both, we sat down with some subject matter experts to talk about how to recreate on Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield properly. And we learned some interesting facts, some fast facts, fun facts, uh, all kinds of cool things that we learned about. But bottom line, there's a right way to do things if you want to go blackberry picking or hunting deer or or fishing. There's a right way to do it here on Fort Stewart. And we sat down with folks from our public works, Fish and Wildlife, Mm -hmm. and we talked to the conservation law enforcement. And we also talked to our our parks and recs folk, the family morale, welfare, and recreation, (laughs) to talk about how to use iSportsman to get your permits and go out and enjoy the great outdoors here at Fort Stewart. I think we should get into it. What do you think? Sure. All right. First things first, we're going to kick off this record-breaking podcast with our friends from Fish and Wildlife here at Fort Stewart, John and Rachel. They're going to talk to us about how to properly recreate on the installation, the iSportsman website that we like to really promote because that is the way to get on to post, so that you can use our thousands of acres the right way to include our waterways and all of our training areas that are open to the public for hunting and fishing and berry picking. And so, yeah, the waterways here, big concern. There are unique visitors that come up here, sturgeons especially, but we'll let the specialists, the experts, talk to us about what we have to offer for the outdoorsmen here in coastal Georgia. Thanks for being on the show, guys. So um, can you guys tell us a little bit about the hunting and fishing opportunities that are available to folks that would like to, you know, go out and explore the woods here on Fort Stewart? So Fort Stewart, roughly 250 to 280,000 acres, depending on who you talk to, um, the vast majority of which is open to hunting and fishing opportunities and also uh, non-consumptive recreational opportunities uh, when the military is not using it for training. Uh, We update those areas that are available on a weekly basis, Um, and so you're able to look at our website, again, the iSportsman website. We have a daily area status map, and you'll get a real-time look at uh, the areas that are available uh, for the the following week. So what can people do? You know, you've got these open areas on the installation. Um, We know we've got... Is it um, 17 ponds here on Fort Stewart, and how many do we have? There are 17 managed ponds and on Fort Stewart, and additional three over at Hunter. So what do you see most people doing on the installation? By far, our biggest recreational activities are first and foremost fishing, and then second would be deer hunting. Um, it's kind of in that order. Um, we, we'll look at anywhere from fifty to 60,000 recreational check-ins on our website on an annual basis. So Fort Stewart is a well-used place uh, by our soldiers here and our community. Like I said, uh, about 25,000 of those check-ins will be for deer hunting. That's mm-hmm. by far our most popular hunting activity, uh, followed by feral hog hunting and then turkey hunting. 
I mean, clearly that speaks to the quality of both the land, how we manage it here. I mean, first and foremost, we are a training installation. So we manage the land for the soldiers and the Department of Defense to train and get ready to answer the nation's call. But it's it goes almost hand in glove with maintaining a healthy ecosystem for that recreational activity. Isn't that right? Absolutely. Um, one of the, the neatest things about our jobs as, as natural resource managers on military installations is that the same uh, acreage that a soldier can go out and train to become proficient at his line of work on a, on a weekend, he can go out and also go deer hunting or go fishing or take his son or daughter fishing. And I think that's a really neat task we get to undertake here as managers on the installation. And it goes, again, the, the same ecosystem management principles that we're, we're abiding by are directly benefiting the maneuver space and then also directly benefiting the wildlife and the fisheries uh, here on the installation. Uh, I've been lucky enough to work on a few different installations and Fort Stewart is by far the most recreational friendly that I've been a part of. Um, and it's a, it's a really unique place and, and it's a great opportunity for folks here at Fort Stewart. So you mentioned about what the most popular types of hunting are. Is there anything, I mean, it's the woods. We've got all kinds of species of animals out there. Is there anything that's not allowed when it comes to, um, you know, animals that aren't allowed when you hunt or fish? Yes. So we'll address deer hunting first because it's by far the most popular. Um, there are a few forms of, of deer hunting in, in the state of Georgia, uh, one specifically being the use of dogs to drive deer. Um, and then there's also another form of, of driving called man driving and both of those are are not authorized on Fort Stewart simply because of uh, uh, the training areas opening closing on a daily basis and safety so when you when you want to deer hunt on Fort Stewart it is it is by what we call still hunting or stand hunting only there's no driving with people or dogs and then uh, to specifically talk about feral hogs uh, a popular form of feral hog hunting in Georgia is at night with the use of thermals, mm -hmm. thermal optics, um, night vision, and that kind of things. Uh, we do not allow any form of hunting feral hogs after sunset. So our legal shooting hours are 30 minutes prior to sunrise to 30 minutes after sunset. And all our hunting activities, except for alligator hunting, have a 9.30 p.m. checkout. So you must be checked out and out of our training areas by 9.30 p.m. when you're hunting. That's some very important information to know. I mean, those are details that you probably could only get if you do it the right way by visiting the iSportsman website, correct? Correct. Yep. And, that, and our rules and regulations, you can all be found on that iSportsman website. There's maps that show you exactly where you are. Uh, you, you can download a PDF map and put it in various mapping applications on smartphones, and it'll show you real time where you're at in the training area. So there. You, you know, it, you can get lost out there addressing the thousands and thousands of acres. And so you want to utilize that website, utilize the resources we put on that website in order, number one, so that you can follow the regulations, and number two, that you can recreate safely. 
having driven some of those tank trails in our GOV, <laughs> yes, I can attest to the fact that I have gotten lost, and I've also gotten stuck twice and recovered myself twice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything looks the same out there, you know, once you get out there at, at a certain point, so for sure. So one thing that you mentioned that I did want to ask you, you said that stand hunting is allowed. Do you see a lot of people putting their own deer stands up, or is that something that's provided by the installation? We do not provide any deer stands. Um, in fact, permanent fixed stands that are like nailed into the trees or constructed into trees are off, are not authorized. Okay. Uh, but we do have some recreational users. They will put up uh, tree stands uh, and leave them out there for the season. Sometimes they'll leave them out there for the year. And that is okay as long as they're not screwed into or nailed into a tree. Uh, but... Again, the vastness of Fort Stewart and the amount of people that use it, you're going to have to understand that that will be fair game. It's that doesn't that doesn't then make that that piece just because their tree stands there doesn't mean that that's their hunting spot. Sure. You could find someone in that hunting spot. You could find someone in your tree stand. You could find your tree stand gone uh, because unfortunately people do uh, take things. Um, and so yes. The vast majority of our hunters use portable climbers that they take with them on a day-in and day-out basis. Cool, cool. And something to touch base on, uh, leaving a stand out there, just because you leave your stand out there, military may close the training area the following day or later on and, well, my tree stand's out there. <laughs> Sorry, tough luck. <laughs> you got to wait till it's open again. Hunter beware. <laughs> So we've heard a lot about hunting. Can you tell us a little bit about fishing, Rachel? Um, you know, I, obviously that's the most popular thing that happens on Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield with 20 locations. What do you see as the most popular um, thing for fishing? Um, we do have 17 managed ponds on Fort Stewart and then the three over at Hunter. Plus there's tons of other water bodies all over Fort Stewart hundreds of miles of creeks, streams. The Kanuchi River, Ogeechee River borders the northeast boundary of Fort Stewart. So there's plenty of recreational uh, fishing opportunities out there. You must check into the individual pond. The managed ponds have their own number. You must check into the pond itself. Any other area that you're fishing, if it's a non-managed random hole that you found that you mm -hmm. want to try to fish or a creek, you must check into the area that that spot is in. Um, we have some river landings that actually have concrete pads on them, so you can go put a boat in on the river, on the Kanichi River. Um, we try to keep those mowed so that you have a little bit of, you can see where you're stepping and everything. Uh, the ponds, you are allowed to put boats in on the ponds. That you cannot use combustible engines. It must be a trolling motor or paddles, but no combustible engines in the ponds themselves, but you can use them in the river. So so what are people catching? What's the diversity of species out there in our waterways? Um, most of the ponds are largemouth bass is the primary, uh, bluegill sunfish, red ear sunfish, black crappie, which also call, uh, locals call uh, white perch. Um, and we have catfish in most of the ponds as well, channel catfish, brown bullheads, yellow bullheads. <laughs> That's a lot of fish. It's, a, it's an aquarium full of fish, folks. They all sound delicious, maybe except oh, for yeah. the catfish. I don't know. Um, so, of course, 
size-wise, I mean, there are size limits to what you catch, right? You catch and release, or, or how does that all work? Correct. There are size limits. Each pond that's a managed pond has a sign at the pond. It has the minimum length that you can keep and then the, how many of each species you can keep. If it's not listed there or if you're somewhere that it's not a managed pond, it's just the state limits. And is that something that you have to report after you catch them? After when you check out of Ice Sportsman, um, for all activities on Fort Stewart, whether it's hunting, fishing, berry picking, hiking, camping, you have to check in and you have to check out. Uh, when you check out, you have the option to report any harvest. Um, so you can report if you caught any bluegill, yes, you're going to harvest them, report that. Um, it's got a few variety that you, species that you can select. Um, if you've caught bass, a lot of people are just catch and release for bass, which is great. But I still like to know that what you've caught. So even if you haven't harvested them, go ahead and hit yes and just tell me what you've caught. There's a different little, a little bit different for the bass. That's good to know. That's good to know that, you know, even if you're doing a catch and release, that you should report the census data to our fish and wildlife folks so that they can keep a proper tab on what's going on in our waterways. So you mentioned harvesting. What are some things folks shouldn't be harvesting from our training areas? Um, in the ponds, we stock grass carp, and they kind of help control a lot of the vegetation in the ponds. You're not allowed to harvest them. In the riverways, we have endangered species. We've got the Atlantic sturgeon and the short-nosed sturgeon. Those are completely off limits. Definitely do not harvest. <laughs> what about some non-biological things people shouldn't be touching, messing with? If you come across, obviously, any UXOs or anything like that, we you want to hands off um, anything. We have occasionally we'll have traps out in the woods that for nuisance animals or something, hands off. Um, anything you see that looks suspicious, like you, suspicious, <laughs> yeah. like you yeah. should be touching it, hands off, back away. Yeah. Um, a lot of times there's, if it's left there for, on purpose, sure, there's a sign there. And if not, call somebody, let them know that, hey, this doesn't look right. <laughs> so, so basically, if you didn't drop it, don't pick it up, recognize, report, retreat. Correct. So exactly what types of fishing are allowed on Fort Stewart and Hunter? We allow a hook and line, obviously, that's the main type of fishing. Uh, you got your fishing pole and your line is in the water. Uh, we also allow like bush hook, um, kind of like trout line fishing, just just on the bush hook. Um, we do allow some seine netting uh, for bait, non-game species only. Um, but for more clarification, seek out the SOP on Ice Sportsman. It's located there. Awesome. So, yeah, that regulation there on Ice Sportsman should really lay it out black and white for folks that would like to come and use the area on exactly um, what is allowed and what isn't allowed because um, some people just may not be aware, you know. And, and the last thing that we want our outdoorsmen and women to do is head to the woods and unknowingly sleepwalk into something that is bad. Because then they'll have an encounter with the fine gentleman that we interview later in this podcast. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, uh, Kevin, do you have any more questions for our friends here? No, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm slowly becoming an outdoorsman, I think. I, I, I think so, too. Yeah, I, I am not by any means a hunter or a fisher, but maybe I'll, I'll start taking it up and go catch some bass and release them and let you know that I caught them. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, do you guys have anything that you would like to add? The only thing I would like to add is that 
you know, we just it, for again Fort Stewart. Just we want to reinforce it's a great opportunity uh, for both our military soldiers and their families that are stationed here at Fort Stewart and the general public. Um, you know, we're conveniently located on I-95. Uh, we're relatively easy to access, and the iSportsman system has really made hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation a convenient possibility here, given all the restrictions that we have with military training. And so we encourage everybody to just go to our website. You can go to any search engine of choice and, and uh, type in Fort Stewart iSportsman, and you can find us. And we have everything laid out there, and if, there's, if you still have any additional questions, just feel free to call our office. Well, that's great. Hey, I just you said something that brought up one more question. So we are um, located off of a state highway. Do you have a lot of civilians that come onto the installation Hunter Fish? Is that even allowed, or is it just for DOD ID card holders? Nope we we allow all public to that that are Georgia. They have, you have to have a state of Georgia hunting or fishing license, and then you also have to have your iSportsman permit. But no, if you are just a regular non-affiliated civilian, you still can come and recreate here. Again, we're, we're positioned between two large cities of Savannah and Jacksonville, and we have a heavy non-affiliated uh, user base, and uh, anyone who wants to recreate on Fort Stewart is welcome. That's awesome information. That's fantastic. I really appreciate you guys. We really appreciate you guys yeah. coming out to explain how to recreate properly here on Fort Stewart. And uh, I think this closes it up for this segment of the podcast, doesn't it, Molly? Yep. We will see you guys back here right after this message. Past live fire training, testing, and battlefield use have left military munitions in lands and waters throughout the United States. It's not uncommon for people who find these munitions to keep them as souvenirs or keepsakes. It's important to be aware of that touching an unexploded ordnance, often called UXO, no matter where you find it, places you in grave danger. The Army's 3Rs program was designed to prevent the tragedies that could occur if someone chooses to handle a UXO. The 3Rs stand for Recognize, Retreat, Report, and aims to inform the public of what they should do if they come across or suspect they may have come across a UXO. Fort Stewart has thousands of acres of land that are popular place for our community to enjoy various outdoor activities while training is not in session. Do your part by following the three R's. Together we can make Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield a safer place to train, live, and recreate. For more information about the three R's, call 912-435 Hey, hey, Fort Stewart. We're back for the second portion of this record-breaking podcast. And to help explain the legal left and right limits of what you can and can't do when you come to hunt and fish on Fort Stewart, I have Carl Smith Jr. and Sergeant Lovett from our conservation law enforcement here on Fort Stewart. Federal police officers charged to keep us safe out in the wilderness. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me here today. Just, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. Let's talk about, you know, we've got several soldiers' family members. They've just come fresh to Fort Stewart. It's the summer PCS season. Some of them might be avid outdoorsmen, and they might want to enjoy what we have to offer here. What's, what's the right way to go about doing that? Well, Kevin, the first step is to establish an iSportsman account 
Once they, they do that, they go in, establish their account. Then they will follow through with a validation, which will talk about the SOP and different aspects of it. Uh, then it will allow them to purchase a permit to recreate on the installation. And um, installation SOP is our installation policy letter that deals with natural resources and some cultural resources as well. However, the specified activities that can legally be done on Fort Stewart are listed in there, and your permit gives you the ability to do those. But there are certain aspects that you must do after you purchase it, and that is to check into and out of each training area that you wish to conduct that activity in. Number one aspect of the natural resource ice sportsman policy is have the permit check into the area, have the appropriate license for whatever activity you would like to do and um, enjoy yourself, but it needs to be an authorized activity that is listed in our SOP. Right. So you just made a good point there with the checking into the area. I mean, we are a military training installation. That is first and foremost what we do here at Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield. We train our Army and our Department of Defense brethren to be ready to answer the nation's call. Not every area is going to be open at all times. I mean, you might have this primo deer hunting spot. It's not always going to be open, right? That is correct. Daily Fish and Wildlife uh, coordinates with range control on what areas are closed and open. The uh, open areas, recreational activity can be conducted in those. They also close the areas. A training area may be uh, available one day and not available the next, but it is the sportsman or the recreationalist's responsibility to ensure that they have appropriately checked into that area for that activity. Our iSportsman system will only allow them to check in for activities that are approved, and um, they have uh, numerous opportunities out here to enjoy the resources, but uh, we have that aspect in there for safety to where there is no interference with military training, military vehicles, and so on. Range Control provides that uh, document to Fish and Wildlife usually a week in advance to where they have an idea of what will be open and closed, and Fish and Wildlife is good about putting it online to notify the sportsmen that these areas should be available on that particular day. Right. I mean, you don't want to be cruising down a tank trail and suddenly come face-to-face with a 70-ton main battle tank going, holy moly, where did that come from? I mean, clearly, size wins in that instance. The tank has the right-of-way. So that is what you guys are doing when you're out there, making sure with range control that these places are open for recreation is to keep the public safe. I mean, that's what it comes down to, public safety, right? Absolutely. Safety and security. Right. I mean, and, and I mean, to go to that, too, I mean, there are things that we do here. We fire munitions. We drive with vehicles. We fly helicopters. And we're, we're historic, too. I mean, the lands around Fort Stewart are historic. I mean, there's there's things that could be out there, not only from that we've done, but I mean, there's historical things out there, too. And that's part of why we allow certain things and don't allow certain things. Right. Correct. Um, The natural resource piece of it is the hunting, fishing, the enjoying, the natural beauty of the installation, but the cultural resources are protected out here as well, and we don't uh, allow certain activities due to the possibility of cultural resource interference or damage. And we have numerous locations that have former towns, uh, communities that were on the property prior to the acquisition that uh, we, we have a responsibility to protect those as well.
Right. I mean, we have more than 60 named cemeteries here from those former townships that we, as an installation, preserve so that the families of those townships still have that touch point to their past. And I mean, you've always been great in the Conservation Law Enforcement Office when we do our two annual visits to those cemeteries. You guys provide those escorts. You guide us out there. You make sure that tank trails are open and accessible, and you allow those families to come back and, and visit with their roots. So, I mean, we appreciate that from from you guys. So, yeah, I mean, preserving the culture, that's part of it. The, the fact that if you do stumble across, like, say, a Native American arrowhead out there, don't pick it up, leave it alone, call us, call you, and make sure that, you know, our cultural resources, our anthropologists, archaeologists get out there and can then capture that piece of history. Because if you pick it up, what happens? I mean, if someone were to pick up an artifact, is, is, that is a, that's a federal offense, correct? So the cultural resource manager needs to be involved in any removal disturbance of any cultural resource on the installation. And, and Mr. Brian Greer uh, would be contacted and they have the ability to look at the significance of the particular item and the location of where it came from. And then they can advise us a little bit better on, on what we're looking at. But absolutely, I mean, if they, they see something they feel is a possible cultural resource or, or UXO or something mm -hmm. of that nature, please call the uh, military police desk or 911 and we will have uh, an officer come out and uh, discuss it with you and we'll, we'll take a look at everything. Right. Better to be safe than sorry. I mean, for the unexploded ordinance, there's the three R's, recognize, retreat, report, and you can do the very same thing with a cultural artifact, recognize that it's something that's cultural, historic, retreat away from it and report it. So definitely to be better safe than sorry. So Fort Stewart is huge. We are the biggest installation this side of the Mississippi. How much of that land mass falls under your jurisdiction for enforcement purposes? Is it the entire area, the highways that cross it? What exactly are we looking at for people to know where they can and can't go, where they need to check in? So everything within the boundaries of Fort Stewart falls under concurrent federal jurisdiction with the state. We we do have two major highways that run through the installation, but there is concurrent jurisdiction. Therefore, you will see military police officers performing law enforcement activities upon the highway as well, and military you know, vehicle traffic utilize the highways, but uh, primarily the thoroughfare through the installation is for public travel, public travel only, and that highways are there for the uh, public to use as an easement to travel through the installation, you know, stopping at any location upon that travel um, could possibly require an additional permit or uh, authorization from the garrison for whatever activity. Right. We're not talking about like something like you ran out of gas or you got a flat tire. But even then, in that instance, it might be smart to just call the MP desk and say, hey, I'm such and such so-and-so. I know I'm on Fort Stewart. Maybe they don't know. But still, regardless, you should make contact with someone to let them know, hey, I'm out here just for safety. I mean, I've been driving 144 now for many, many years. And I, I can tell you, I myself have called 911, gotten then the Bryan County 911. And I make a point of asking for Fort Stewart 911 to say, hey, there's a car. It's pulled over on the side. They're changing a tire, but they're around a blind curve because we know that blind curve on 144 is it's pretty bad. You can't see around it too easily. But I mean, I've made a point of just to cover that person to make sure they're safe. And then, you know, other other odd things, cars backed in the woods, abandoned cars. I just like to call 911 when I'm driving on Fort Stewart. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Boy Scout when it comes to things like that. But to go back to the permits required, let's say someone chooses to make a wrong decision. They go out and they hunt fish recreate without a permit, what can happen to them? So the SOP covers this specific question quite thoroughly, um, where it talks about 
the punitive aspect of our SOP. It just says the, the SOP is uh, punitive in nature. Uh, military violators of these uh, provisions may be prosecuted under UCMJ, may be subject to administrative action. Uh, civilian violators may be subject to administrative action, revocation of permit, etc. may be barred from the installation or prosecuted federal court under federal law or Georgia law. So, I mean, you're running the risk of some pretty heavy consequences here. You could face administrative action. You could face federal court. You could face state court. So, basically, do the right thing. Go to iSportsman. Take the courses that are there. Make sure you've got your right permits to do everything that you want to do. Make sure you're in the right season. I mean, just for my edification, I, I am not an outdoorsman. I do not hunt. I do not fish. There are seasons for things. What are the seasons? I mean... Depends on the game species or animal that they are pursuing could be you know animal or fish there are specified seasons for uh, a majority of the game species and, and a common question that we get is why on um, federal land or a, a federally managed piece of property why am I required to have a state license is because Georgia has a part in this because game species the state of Georgia is the trustees over the game species on the installation now the army owns the hogs but deer turkey and uh, small game species, et cetera. The state of Georgia gives a block of days that these are the season dates for these particular species. And uh, since they are the trustees, we can be more restrictive, not more lenient uh, without special permission. That's interesting. Um, I'm assuming that probably has to do with the fact that animals don't recognize boundaries and they come and go as they please. Absolutely. They don't recognize that Fort Stewart is federal and that over here this farmer's field is Glenville so they just come and go as they please so that makes sense that the state of Georgia is the trustees for the, uh, the animals and interesting that we own the hogs but that probably has more to do with the fact that they're an invasive species correct? Absolutely. And they're always in season I'm assuming if you they do are, the right they thing. They can be hunted year-round. Uh, we do have some weapon restrictions and ammunition restrictions on them at certain times. Currently, since it is small game season and uh, hogs and coyotes can only be hunted right now with small game caliber weapons, we are particular on that aspect for safety. Um, you do have at certain times to where if there's no big game caliber weapons or ammunition in the woods at that particular time, then no orange vest is required and therefore we do not want the big game caliber weapons in the woods. This can be located in the Appendix C in the back of the hunting and fishing SOP and policy letter and it is available on iSportsman under the regulation tab. It lays it all out the season dates. It'll usually say at the start of the small game season till uh, the beginning of firearm season for deer, uh, these particular weapons can be used, etc. Makes sense. Perfect. There are some particulars, though, with like the hog. I, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, you have to harvest what you shoot with the hog, right? You can't just do annihilation of the hog, leave the carcass lie. You have to actually harvest it, correct? We do ask for a reasonable and a responsible aspect of, uh, you know, taking an animal. So uh, we, we do ask that you, uh, if you do shoot the animal, you appropriately dispose of the animal and acquire meat or uh, whatever aspect of the animal that you were pursuing. But uh, wanting and waste. We don't want anybody to take an animal that uh, that they don't want to harvest for a purpose of meat or, or so on. Right, so it basically comes down again to do the right thing, the ethical thing. Use iSportsman, check in, get your permits, find out what's open, check into the area, harvest your animals appropriately, make sure that you're actually respecting land, respecting the animals, respecting the efficacy of being a good steward of the environment and the outdoors. Well, gentlemen, anything else to add? Anything I forgot to cover? I, I would like to take a minute on the, the military side to where Staff Sergeant Lovett, my NCOIC, has an opportunity to talk to NCOs out there about their soldiers and about how to educate them on the um, 
installation policy when it comes down to the natural resources and ice sportsmen. Perfect. Sounds great. Sergeant Lovett, take it away. Okay. Um, so one thing I do notice, there are a lot of brand new soldiers to the installation that don't understand that upon coming to an installation, they need to inquire about certain things that they can and can't do on the installation. They can't just jump on out into a training area and go hunting. And I know a lot of NCOs do have the proper authority to come out to the areas and go hunting and fishing. So I feel as an NCO, you should be able to, when you notice these new soldiers coming in, get with them and find out what their intentions are as far as hunting and fishing. A lot of the problems that we encounter in the training areas could be resolved at the unit level if NCOs just step up and make that contact with the soldiers at first. Um, while we do enforce the state and installation rules and regulations, we're not out here to discourage anybody from coming out. Just make sure you got your permit, a license, and you're checked in. That makes sense. I mean, yeah, NCOs. Take care of your soldiers. Teach them the right way to do things here at Fort Stewart, Hunter Army Airfield, or anywhere they go where there's these outdoor recreation opportunities. Sergeant Lovett, thanks for that important bit. I think that pretty much wraps it up for us for this segment of the Marn Report. I appreciate you gentlemen joining me and giving me an education on the left and right legal limits and the right ways to use the outdoor recreation area. We'll take a break and we'll come back with some more experts to talk about how to recreate here on Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield. See you in a bit on the other side. Fort Stewart has a rich history that goes back over 10,000 years. This land was settled by Native Americans and many of their former settlements are scattered across the land that is now Fort Stewart. With the founding of Savannah in 1733, the English colonists established a colonial fort on the banks of the Ogeechee River, which is known as Fort Argyle. Soon thereafter, the colonists established several communities on the lands that make up present-day Fort Stewart. Up until the 1940s, when the government acquired the property for Camp Stewart, there were at least 60 named communities in the area. Typically, the only visual reminders that we have of these displaced communities are the cemeteries. However, there are also remnants of the old home sites and Native American sites that still exist. The evidence of these settlements and communities still remain as part of the archaeological record. The Army, just like every other federal agency, is required to preserve and protect significant archaeological sites, historic buildings, and cemeteries. If you are training or recreating on the installation and encounter any artifacts, please leave it undisturbed. Removal or damage to any archaeological site can result in criminal or civil penalties. Additionally, removal of these artifacts destroys the record of our past. Please leave the past for our future. For more information about cultural resources on Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield, call 912-767-2010. And welcome back to this segment of the Marn Report, where we're going to close it out talking to our experts from Morale, Welfare, and Recreation all about how to do these fun events that we have on Fort Stewart that are outdoor recreation-flavored, hunting, fishing, you name it. We've got the expert here. So Molly and I, we're going to close out this segment with our guest... Jeremy Hayes, the Outdoor Recreation Director. Beautiful, beautiful. And Molly, it's all up to you now. Take it away. Jeremy, thank you so much for being um, on this edition of the Marm Report with us. Uh, I know that MWR has a ton of super fun events that anyone who enjoys any type of outdoor recreation uh, can participate in. Would you like to fill us in on some of the things that you guys have coming up? Uh, sure thing, Molly. It's glad to be here. Um, got a couple things. Uh, we do have our manage hunts that are coming up in November or December. If you want to uh, sign up for that, it's free to sign up. Uh, you just have to have your iSportsman account and your Georgia State hunting license to participate. Uh, and then the fee would be $30, $40, and $50, depending on your rank. Uh, the two areas we're going to is uh, B4 uh, and EQA 
which that will be in the December hunt, uh, which tentatively is 17 December. And then the tentative date for November, which is Red Cloud, will be uh, 12 November. Uh, and we're really looking forward to that hunt. Uh, it's a good time we uh, take 50 people total, and it's a lottery draw, and you will be selected or not selected for that hunt. Fish and Wildlife is also there um, to um, score the animals or get the biological information off there for their reports, and then they have the skinning rack there where they will quarter the meat out for you so you just bring a, uh, a cooler with ice in it and you'll be squared away with that. Uh, we also have the uh, kids fishing event coming up uh, in September which is the 17th and the 24th. The 17th at Holbrook Pond uh, from 7 to 10 and at the 24th of September at uh, Holstrom Pond at, at Hunter. It's from 7 to 10. It's a free event. We will turn loose 2,000 pounds of catfish and you're allowed to have five each per kid, and we have a fish cleaning station there that we can clean the fish for you. Awesome. And let me ask you, with the kids' fishing events, do they have to have fishing licenses? No. The uh, Fish and Wildlife and Game Wards will waive the license requirement for that day. Now they will open the pond back up after 12 o'clock each day for uh, current iSportsman people to log into the pond and fish legally that away. Cool. And um, just one more question about the kids fishing event. That is just for kids to fish. Parents don't get to fish during that time? Yes, no adults get to fish. Uh, the age up to uh, 15 years old uh, is allowed to fish for free. Cool. The other thing we have is the uh, bass tournaments that we have, the Marn Trail Bass Tournament. We are uh, have one more coming up on September the 10th at Pineview Pond. And then on the 24th of September, we'll have our championship. Only the top seven will fish. So coming up next year in January, we're going to start off again. Add two new events in January and February. Uh, we will fish those ponds in the afternoon for the afternoon bite because of the cooler weather. And then in March, we will go through March, April, and May, fish in the mornings. And then we'll have our championship tournament, which will be the angle of the year, 100% payback in September next year. So you have January, February, March, April, May, you have five tournaments to make the top seven in for cumulative weight. And then the angler of the year will win. Whoever has the most cumulative weight will win the angler of the year event for 100% payback. Wow. And that bass tournament takes place on all of our ponds on Fort Stewart. You yes. don't go outside the installation. Yes. All the ponds we are planning on fishing. Uh, Dogwood Pond, which is in B8, uh, Glisten Mills, which is up north, and then also Pineview Pond is the three ponds that we are planning on fishing. Great. The uh, entry fee for those events are $45 per person for the tournament itself, and then the Big Bass Pot is $5 a person for Big Bass. Awesome. So answer this for me. Um, you, you guys have a lot of events that are taking place on the installation, um, but the interesting thing about where the Lowcountry Adventure Center is located is that you actually don't have to drive through the main cantonment area of Fort Stewart to get to you guys. You guys are located off of Highway 144 in the Holbrook Pond Recreation Area. Um, so exactly who can use your services? Um, is it just for DOD ID card holders or can civilians also, you know, work through you guys to, you know, participate in those events as well? Um, it's only for the military for that. Now the uh, kids fishing event is open for everybody. Uh, come out and go fishing with us. And then if you need to use a computer, 
to get your iSportsman thing, we have a couple of staff computers out there that you can come and, and we can help assist you get your email and that type of thing and show you how to use the website. Awesome. So you guys are a, a great resource for anyone who may not have computer access that does need to obtain all of the hunting and fishing licenses that we've discussed on the show today. Just make sure you head on out to the Low Country Adventure Center and they will let you use one of their staff computers. Thank you so much. That's a that's a great resource. You're very welcome and thank you. And if anybody needs to just uh, come out to Holbrook Pond uh, and we'll be able to help you. And also we're at Hunter at the Low Country Adventure Center over there. You can also get the same information that we have at both places. Sure. So what's a good phone number for you guys in case people do have questions, they don't have the computer where they can get to the iSportsman website? What's a good phone number for them to call to get directions the, to you guys? The Holbrook Pond phone number is 912-435-8213 or 912-435-8205. And then the Low Country Adventure Center at Hunter, and that phone number is 912 912- Three one five nine five five four. Yeah, and that's interesting that you brought up Hunter Army Airfield because I know when people think about hunting and fishing, they see all of the land that surrounds Fort Stewart, so they think that Fort Stewart's the only place where people can go to enjoy that. But there's actually three ponds on Hunter Army Airfield that our soldiers and family members or anyone with a uh, DOD ID card can use. Yes, and then there's also you can fish at Lost Island, which you don't have to have a state permit to do that one. You don't have to have your eye sportsman for that fishing on Lysol. There's a small pier there, yeah. uh, boat dock area, launch area right there. You can launch on the Forest River, but you can fish right there with just your state permit. You don't have to have an eye sportsman. Very cool. And yeah, another great thing, guys, it's not just about fishing, it's about crabbing. You're in Southeast Georgia now, so if you don't know what crabbing is, I challenge you to Google it because it is super fun, and Lots Island is a great place to go crabbing. It is, and also people don't realize that you can deer hunt over at, at Hunter as well. There's some small areas over there you can hunt, but it's only shotgun or bow archery equipment over there, and then it's, you can use your archery or uh, black powder gun and also your uh, high-powered rifle over on Stewart. Cool. Not to beat a dead horse, but to, uh, to get back to that, the information about fishing, hunting, crabbing, it's best to call first to check with you guys, right? I mean, absolutely check in before you start doing anything, right? You, you don't want to go out just onto Fort Stewart or Hunter and start crabbing, fishing, doing stuff without first going to the iSportsman website or calling first, correct? Yes, you don't really need to call us. You can call us to help you get your pass, but you have to use your iSportsman pass. You get a permit. You have to check in, check out, record your catch or record your harvest in order to stay legal. That's the most important thing on the base to use the proper entity of the websites of the old Fort Stewart iSportsman to make sure you are legal when you're hunting or fishing on the base. Well, you have given us some great information, Jeremy. We thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. And Kevin, you got anything you'd like to add? No, other than folks. We are a sportsman's paradise here at Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield. We are absolutely open to the public for many of our recreational opportunities, and we do encourage people to come out and use our facilities. We just ask you to do it the right way, to make contact with the right people. We pretty much have all the subject matter experts you need here on Fort Stewart and Hunter Army Airfield. We're a federal installation. We regulate our land here, and we've got the people who control it. A phone call away to help you out and a website readily available to get you the right licenses to do the right things. Well, that would be it for this week's edition of the Marn Report podcast. This is Molly. And Kevin. And we are signing off. That's right. See you later. 
Are you looking for more places to get your news? Subscribe to the Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield YouTube channel. As we add to this platform throughout the year, users will have access to installation tours, news updates, and plenty of motivating videos featuring 3ID soldiers and more. Visit youtube.com and search Fort Stewart Hunter Army Airfield.